0: Welcome to another edition of the College Faith Podcast, sponsored by Global Scholars. This is Stan Wallace, your host, and my guest today is Dr. Nita Kotiga, Director of Spiritual Formation at Baki Graduate University. Nita began to think seriously about being formed in the image of Christ during her college years, while involved with intervarsity Christian Fellowship. She then served on intervarsity staff for six years sharing with students what she had learned about developing intimacy with Christ. So interested was she in understanding and living in light of biblical truth that she went on to earn graduate degrees in theology and spiritual formation, which have positioned her well for her current role. Nita, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, we're talking today about spiritual formation. And so the obvious first question for most of the listeners is, uh, what exactly is that? It's not a very common term in a lot of circles.
1: So spiritual formation, the way I like to articulate it, is not so much about drawing closer to God, but it is more about becoming made in the image of Christ. So I may use disciplines such as um, the well-loved Protestant quiet time um, to discipline myself to develop the ability to hear the voice of God so that I can respond with a heartfelt yes. Or maybe even say, well, Lord, I would like to be able to say yes to you, but I, I died already. (laughs) Uh, You know, that, that little bit of a whine where we feel like we're being stretched and God is calling us to something greater uh, and, and more fulfilling, more made in the image of who we were created to be. You know, not only are we created in the image of Christ, but we're also created with hopes and dreams by God of who he would like us to become. And when we say yes, that is the fulfillment of that. And then God has our permission, essentially our willingness to partner with him. And so the spiritual formation of the individual starts taking place.
0: Yeah. okay, That makes so much sense. Right off the bat, you used a word that uh might be a red flag word, so I want to press into that and have you say a little more about it. You used the word "discipline, Many of my listeners might be wondering now, wait a minute, um that sounds like works uh, you know the Reformation was all about our spiritual life being about faith and not works, right you know ephesians two eight and nine it's by grace you're saved through faith is not of yourself and not what you're doing it's a gift of God so help us understand how this is consistent with an understanding of god being the one who uh who works and and not us
1: so god has done the work we have we actually have date time when god finished jesus said it is finished right mm. so we are now reconciled we're redeemed the work has been done by god mm. and you know through communion we have moments when we can sit with that finished work of christ and and just be so grateful for it, um, celebrate it, um, and then be transformed and choose how we're going to live in response. So the disciplines are not us doing work because there's nothing that we can do that is going to add to what God has done. The disciplines are habits that we have that we want to nurture so that we can go back to God with a wholehearted yes. It's our experience with God. It's kind of like when I journal, I'm journaling not only what God has done in my life, but I'm journaling so that I will remember what God has done in my life when I revisit it. Hmm. Um, It's not like I'm going on a diet and I'm going to use discipline to achieve that dietary Hmm. goal. The disciplines in our spiritual formation are habits that we cherish. I would like to be that kind of a person who... When they pray, lives get changed. Well, how do I do Mm -hmm. that? Well, maybe it would be a good discipline to pray, (laughs) develop the habits of prayer, read on prayer, and find out what those who've gone before us have done to become effective listeners of God through prayer. Mm -hmm. Right. So our disciplines are uh, a fruit, not the cause.
0: That's a really, really helpful distinction. Sure. So, how did you get interested in this whole area in the first place?
1: Uh desperation. <laughs> um, I really, I came to Christ at the ripe old age of sixteen. I read the Bible, and for those of us of a certain age, we will remember the Way Bible, mm-hmm. uh, green or or brown, and it had a logo on it. It was called the Way, yep. and you know,
0: in that sixties font. <laughs>
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I encountered my Bible in 1978 um, because a, a, a student in grade 12 happened to have one and I borrowed one. I didn't know that you read the Bible every day and this was her Bible. Mm-hmm. I just borrowed it like a book because I'd never read it. And I read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and encountered Jesus. Didn't know who he was. I still didn't have a gr- grasp on him, but I knew that I wanted what he offered. I knew that I wanted to be a follower of this person. And I I, I was so hungry for who he was. Um, I found him rather grumpy in the New Testament, because he was very firm about certain behaviors and attitudes of of, of people, which I kind of was, but that's me. Mm. And, and he's he's rebuking me for being this kind of a person. Well, then it was like, well, I want to be the kind of person he wants me to be. So that's my initial introduction. Many years later, I kind of got to the point where the traditional quiet time just wasn't cutting it. Bible study wasn't cutting it. Going to church on a Sunday and listening to sermons was wasn't cutting it.
0: Now, and when you say wasn't cutting it, what do you what do you mean by that?
1: I wanted more. Like if that was all there was to Christianity, it was pretty boring. Hmm. Like I wanted transformation on the inside. I wanted a passion to make my life different, make it count so that somebody else could encounter the Jesus I fell in love with. Mm -hmm. And I was just going, if this is all there is to it, 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 (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Really, what am I doing here? I could be just as fanatic about something else. And, and my life wasn't changing. It wasn't responding anymore. I had responded to to Jesus as a young Christian, but then it was like, this is so many years later, we're looking at it, you know, 20 years later and going, I want more Jesus. This is not enough. Your scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John transformed me, but the Bible is now boring. Let's just say it. (laughs) And then I found out I could have a spiritual director and that spiritual director gave me tools for encountering scripture.
0: Sort of like a disciple or a mentor, or is there some difference?
1: Yes, there's a huge difference. A spiritual director is somebody who is not going to tell you what to do or shape your life in a certain way, but helps you develop an ear to listening to God and respond to God. So Mm. the statement, well, I think you should pray on that, which I absolutely grew grew to loathe enabled me to discern the small movements in my life, the, the... Ability to hear God's voice in scripture, but it also taught me how to read scripture in three dimensions. It taught me to enter the story where Jesus is doing something, and I'm sitting there as an observer in the story, just like we do with a good book. Um, but mm. that enabled scripture to come alive for me. So the, the story of the woman at the well became became a real person, not just somebody read about, you know, that happened umpteen years ago. It's, this was real. It was, you know, it was like newsworthy. Um, and, and at the same time, I was kind of going, well, if this is so radical, why is it that Protestants aren't really engaged with spiritual direction? Um, why was it, you know, kind of left to the Catholic Church? Yeah. And and so, but that's a a Ignatius Luther thing. You know, one stayed and caused a Reformation within the Catholic Church. um, Ignatius did, and the other left and and created who we are, and enabled us to read the Bible uh, in a different way, and and accept that the works are not ours but God's right so now umpteen years later we're we're coming back to the things that are foundational to us and and spiritual direction is foundational we need people who will listen to our lives and help us hear where god is saying yes and amen to who we are um and and is and is for us for us in the sense of our own development spiritually now, when God created me and created you, he had hopes for you. He had desires for you. And he created you with this in mind, whatever the this is, right? As I spend time with God, I become molded and changed slowly into that this. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So let me try to summarize this in, in my own words. And you tell me if I'm hearing you right. So uh, a number of these ideas come out of some of the, the things that uh, ignatius was thinking and luther also but because they have this connection to ignatius and catholic practices they've really not been a part of protestant traditions as much we we sort of, maybe threw the baby out with the bathwater right yeah. with a lot of errors in terms of 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 of, of works and faith concerning salvation we then lumped this in and said well any kind of uh, exercises or practices must be bad because they're a work salvation model. Is that maybe a good way to say it?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to say it. Um, and and what I love about spiritual direction in the Ignatian method is that it pushes us back to scripture.
2: Mm.
1: There's no additional stuff that we must do. We must be attentive to scripture. And that is the good news, right? It's It's, yeah. it's the good yeah. news. It it is how God speaks to us. And so when you sit with a story and God slowly speaks to your heart, you're kind of going, yes. And amen. You know, when God says I died for you and you're sitting at the cross with a crucified Jesus in that moment, or you're sitting with, you know, Mary as she discovers an empty tomb and, and you're sitting with her and he says, I am he who you're searching for. I mean, Yes, all of us have been searching for Jesus, and here we are in that story, and we are either Mary or we're watching this, and, and our heart leaps with that and says, I have found you, Jesus, I have found you. Mm. Like, even now, just talking about that is very emotional, because, like, who does not want to know, as a Christian, who does not want to have that experience of Jesus standing in front of us and saying, he who you searched for, here I am, I am here.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's right. Right. Okay. So, so I, 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 uh, I want to pick up your story. You had uh, talked about getting to be at about a 20 year mark and really needing to see more depth in your spiritual life. And this is when you circled back or begin to maybe first explore the spiritual formation ideas and literature. Take us from there to, to where you are now.
1: So, um, I had gone back to, well, I'd gone and, and decided that I was going to be a spiritual director. I had this amazing connection with spiritual direction. So I applied, got in the program, realized that the same
0: program there, there's a, there's a course of study for this.
1: Yeah. It's a six year journey for us in Montreal. Uh, we do it in daily life. So you, you're one, you study year two, you apply and you have got a supervisor with you. And so it's, it's a very practical Study time. Mm. um, And it takes time because you're doing it in daily life. You're doing it as you are leading it. And so at the same time, I was kind of going, Well, I really also need better understanding, academic understanding of my faith. And so I went back. I went back to school. Uh, I did a master's in theological studies at the same time and really felt that the two worked well together. Um, Mm. We cannot uh, parse ourselves we're intellectual beings, we're embodied beings, we're spiritual beings, we have a soul, all of those areas need to be attended to. And so after that, I finished that, then I I ended up being a full time pastor at our church, loved being able to shepherd and walk with people as well as run, you know, programs and spiritual formation. Then I did a doctorate um, at Baki Graduate University which um, again was transformational for me because it was all about hands-on uh, working alongside students who are shalom bringers to the world um, all over the world my classmates have been um, and so I finished that in, in 2017 and now I'm director of uh, spiritual formation at BGU I do all kinds of other things at BGU as well, but that's that's the official title.
0: <laughs> okay. Again, Baki Graduate University BGU.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, and and then I've just retired now um, as a pastor to work more in spiritual formation with our wonderful leaders, our global leaders.
0: Mm. And you had a stint with Intervarsity as well, right? Working with college students specifically yes. related to spiritual formation and and well, the disciplines are or, or what.
1: Well, I was a student um, and got involved on campus with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and then came on staff after graduation. Already I was wired for, even though it wasn't clear in my head as to what I was talking about, I was already wired to say what you are doing and what you're studying on campus is your gift to the world. You're not just a Christian on a Sunday. So what you are learning in class is equipping you for that job, whatever job it is that you're going to, your first level, entry level job. Um, but how you relate to your classmates, how you are going to be as a person, the frustrations that you are encountering, getting your, your due dates met. Those are the kinds of things that God is is working in you. Like spiritual formation happens in the workplace and if you're a student it happens at university the choices you make to engage or not to engage in your academic studies are going to have an an impact the friendships that you make so how are you going to think about what you are doing on campus as a Christ child how are you going to engage with those choices what do you want out of life Do you want to continue that journey that God has invited you? Mm -hmm. That's going to mean certain things. That means that you're going to need to process your day with God. It means at the end of the day, when you're in bed and you're reviewing your day. Okay, this is an Ignatian thing. It's called an examen and encouraging students to do that. At the end of the day, when you sit with God, what is God saying to you about your day? Where did you feel God's presence with you? You know, and it might have been in a conversation or it might have been something that a a professor said that deeply resonated with you. Or it might have been in the pub as you're, you know, just having a simple glass of beer, you know, and you're just kind of going, you know, that student, I really felt connected to them. And I want to pray for that student now, Jesus. Maybe, maybe it's in those moments where I don't know where God was because I don't know where I was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What the heck was I doing in that setting? (laughs) You know? Have that conversation with God, inviting God into our day, and saying, "God, like I, I did not feel you there. I felt really disconnected from who I was, even in that moment. What made me want to do that, or be there, or say that, or like, what was it that was going on inside of myself that enabled that moment to happen? Mm-hmm. Why was I mean? <laughs> you know, what did I, or whatever it was?
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. So, how did students react? Did most students? look at you like you had three eyes or did they all say, gosh, that really resonates with my reality today. I or uh, in college. I want to know more.
1: It really resonated. Yeah. When we're invited to be authentic and we create a safe place for students, they gravitate to that. You know, often mm. we are, we often feel lectured, you know, either church feels like a lecture or parents feel like a lecture or Bible study feels like a lecture But where can I explore where it's safe for me to be safe and go? You know, I don't think I believe that anymore. And somebody says, "Well, tell me more. Like, what's creating that angst? You know, can is it okay for me to ask these questions? Like, shouldn't I just have this sorted out by now? And what if I think God is mean or Mm -hmm. like, how could God allow this horrible thing to happen? And you know, like, why them or why me or Exploring those hard questions of life
2: mm-hmm.
1: need to be explored if we're truly authentic humans who are grappling with the divine God. We need to ask those questions, but we need a safe place.
0: Mm. Sure. It's good. Well, I want to drill into some of the specifics, uh, what some of the disciplines are, how to practice various disciplines, so on and so forth. But but I will say that um I, I had a similar trajectory, a similar a set of experiences. I came to faith my junior year of high school. I was 17 and went off to university and was trying to figure it out. And what is this new thing about walking with Christ day to day and you know, getting only so far with a daily quiet time? And I read a book by, uh, and I've got it right here, by Richard Foster, yeah. The Celebration of Discipline. It, it was just a book that everybody was reading at yeah. that time. And so all the Christians in the, the group I was involved with were talking about it and I picked it up and read it and and it was helpful because it talked about specific disciplines, but I really struggled with, well, you know, I, I, I know I have uh, been saved by Christ alone, by faith alone. So these questions I'm asking you are questions I had. And then I was skiing and the Lord gave me the analogy that helped me understand how it all goes together. So I was actually on a chairlift thinking about, you know, riding to the top of the hill. And I realized, you know, there's three ways that people try to get up to the top of these hills. They uh, either go on a chairlift or they try to just do it by walking up the hill, the little bunny hills, especially on their own. Or they use the rope, the tow rope, where you're towed by holding onto this rope on the smaller hills. And I thought, you know, that's analogous to the three options offered To grow in Christ, it seems to me. You know, the chairlift was I'm getting up the hill. I'm getting I'm reaching my objective by no effort of my own. I am just sitting there, I'm passive, and all the work is being done by the motor. And I thought, you know, that I've heard that idea of spiritual growth, this kind of let go and let God idea where I'm totally passive Mm -hmm. and God is doing all the work. And if I'm involved, I'm messing up the works. Uh, I remember a book, Major Ian Thomas, The Saving Life of Christ, argued this. And it's like, that doesn't sound right because I'm not at all involved. And it seems God calls me to be involved in my growth. But then walking up with just, you know, my own effort trying to get up the hill, not only would never work on a bigger hill, but <laughs> that's like just me trying to gin it up and do it all. And there's no power of Holy Spirit in the mix. And I thought, you know, the the tow ropes, the, the, the way God seems to be in Scripture calling us to live out our, our faith. You know, we're totally involved, trying to get in the right posture, the right grip on the rope, keeping our balance. But it's the power of the engine through the rope that's actually doing the work. And, and that made sense of a, a passage I always struggled with, which was Philippians 2.12. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's that effort. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. So there's this both and, right? I'm involved. There are things I'm doing. As you said, disciplines I'm practicing. But it's God who's at work actually to fulfill His purpose. So that for me it was my journey and and that passage and that analogy helped me think oh, okay now this 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 makes sense is there anything you'd push back on have i misunderstood anything i
1: agree with, with what you're saying i remember as a student on campus effort was 100% on me right mm. i had to attend lectures um i had to do the work i had to do the research i had to produce right so that's 100% me doing what i need to do to get that grade to get that on my GPA to get the next whatever thing that is that I want out of that. Mm -hmm. And I think most of us are formed that way, particularly in North America, we value hard work, Mm -hmm. but I think in, in spirituality. There's this deeper understanding that we are responding to God's initiative. We're responding to God's calling to us. So when God says Nita, my response is yes, but who did the call? <laughs> who placed the call? Mm. God, it, right? If God says to me, I want you to learn um, more about the Bible, and then I want to have conversations about you with you about what you're learning. I want you to bring those questions to me in prayer, okay? So that is me saying yes, Lord, and putting myself in a place with the right tools, to develop questions for God. If God says, I want you, I'm not an extrovert, but if I were an extrovert saying to me, I want to spend more time with you, which means that you need to have those moments of solitude and they may or may not feel great because you might feel alone for a little while, then I am going to cultivate that habit. I will find time in my schedule and say, these are my blocks of solitude that I'm offering to the Lord to speak to me. And because I'm an outdoorsy person, I'm going to go for walks alone. And let's see what happens. Let's see where God meets me. But I have to take that yes and amen step of saying, I'm going to create this in my schedule. And then I'm going to allow God to do whatever he wants to do in that time with me. Mm. There's a difference between I'm going to go and walk, and I'm going to talk to God. Which ends up being more of a works thing rather than saying, I am willing to create that environment that God is inviting me into, which in that case would be a solitude.
0: Yeah. To so better my analogy, I'm willing to stand by the tow rope and try to position myself well to take advantage of the power that's there. And then God willing, he shows up and does it work in my life.
1: And if he's inviting me to grab onto that tow rope, then he will meet me. Mm-hmm. I will learn how to listen to recognize him meeting me. Um, mm-hmm. it, I use I used the analogy often of kids who are first learning how to swim, you know, they're, they're about a year old, and they're at the edge of the pool. And what do we do? We, we grab our, our child, you know, by the under the arms kind of, you know, by their chest, and we slowly lower them in the water, and we're talking to them, and we're having a good time and we're splashing a little bit with our the edges of our fingers you know um, and by the end of that summer that kid is jumping into the water and doing a doggy paddle
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we may be four feet away right and so in that time this child has learned to not need to be held by the chest has learned how to jump and surface out of the water has learned all these little skills all with focusing their eyes on our eyes as we champion them and cheer them and clap you know and i kind of very much feel that that's what god does with us he champions us and makes that eye contact and helps us develop those habits that'll enable us to doggy paddle to him mm. you know so who's doing the work <laughs> we both we both are he's saying here i am come
3: to me and we're going yes
0: that's good very helpful yeah
3: we will return to the show in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor. Guests on the College Faith podcast often discuss how important professors are in the lives of students during these impressionable years. Christian professors are examples to both non Christian and Christian students that a person can be educated and still follow Christ, and they can have a lifelong influence as mentors please consider helping equip Christian professors to make a difference on a campus near you and worldwide. To learn more, please visit www.global-scholars.org. Please also check out the other podcast Stan and Dr. J.P. Moreland do together, Thinking Christianly. Whereas this College Faith podcast focuses more on the practical questions of thriving during the college years, the Thinking Christianly podcast is all about the ideas that shape the university, students, our broader culture, and the world. Visit thinkingchristianly.org or download episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And now back to college faith.
0: So let's, let's talk a little bit about these specific disciplines or exercises. You've mentioned a few actually, and, in, in what you've already said, but, but uh, what, what are some of the spiritual practices or, disciplines that that are helpful in spiritual formation
1: the first is to enter into the story when you read your bible all of us as christians are are encouraged to to read your bible daily but when you enter scripture it's a god experience right it's not me reading a book hoping that i will have an aha moment of insight or you know Matthew chapter three, verse two, wow, that was really powerful. And so then I go and journal about how powerful it was, you know, in spiritual direction, I will enter the story. So if it's genealogy, you can go, well, how exciting is genealogy to contemplate on? Um, I don't know, you might have a different experience than I did. For me, it was like, wow, God is weaving humanity. He's creating stories. And each of those people, a story was built. I don't know the story, but the story was built for the next generation, for the next generation, for the next generation. If I go to Jesus, you know, in the boat, the storm's raging and I'm reading that story and I'm going, oh, wow, that's really cool. Intellectually, it's like, that's really cool. God met them. He calmed the storm. He can calm storms in my life just like he did because God doesn't change. So there's that, you know, calming of the storms in my personal life. And I understand that intellectually. Well, if I'm in the boat, it's a little different. You know, I'm walking Mm. by Jesus and he's supposedly sleeping. Really? In the middle of a storm? You know, I'm likely to be the one with my hands on my hips and going, really? Really, Jesus? We're in a storm. How can you be so calm pretending to be asleep? You know? And so my own angst of whatever it is surfaces in that moment and I can say to Jesus, you know, where were where were you when such and such habit? Were you, were you sleeping also, just like you were with these disciples? You know, and then I see Jesus get up and he doesn't even answer my question. He just goes and calms the storm. But I'm in that boat. I'm feeling the spray. I'm feeling the smell, the fear of other people and, and mine as well. And I'm actually seeing Jesus in that moment, in that story, calming the wind. Now I have goosebumps. Now I'm encountering scripture for real. When I see, you know, six foot waves, 12 foot waves, which in moments of my life I have, like any other human being, we've experienced those moments of complete chaos in our lives where we think we're going to either physically die or actually emotionally die. And Jesus calms the storm and we enter the story of the storm being calmed and we're going, okay, so you're the God who calms storms. Now, what do I do in response? In my journal, I write about my emotions, not not about what intellectually I encountered, the God of the calming storms. I say to God, I experienced terrible fear. I thought I was going to drown. I can't even swim, God. And I'm in this boat and I'm with you, and you stood up, and you did not answer my question, but you calmed the storm. I just want to hold on to you. I don't want to let go. I I emotionally just want to hold on to you, because you're the God who calms storms. So now we're having two different things. We're having an emotional response, which is who we are, instead of that intellectual response of good story and intellectual journaling.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like it's it's a, a even a different way of approaching scripture, uh, not discounting the 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 propositional content of scripture. The God is a God who saves and and calms yeah. tor- storms and so on okay. and so forth. But also, there's more. There's the existential side where I can enter into the story and experience God's presence and care in in a in a direct way that's not purely cognitive, right?
1: Right. In North America, we have placed the mind over everything, the intellect over everything. But having said that, we have tools in North America where we can actually learn how to let the spirit of God hover, just like the spirit of God hovered over creation. Let that spirit of God hover over our minds when we read scripture, invite the spirit to reveal to us the truth that God wants In that moment for me to understand. And there there are skills you can develop how to contemplate. But you know, if I was to say to somebody, picture an apple, tell me the color of your apple. Now bite into it. Tell me what that experience was like. So that's all imaginative, right? Mm -hmm. And I think as Protestants, we have often thrown the baby out with the bathwater and said, I am renewed, redeemed, sanctified by my imagination. That's not holy. Right. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to work in our imagination and not be afraid of our imagination Mm. and make it a a place of holiness. So that when I'm reading scripture, I'm allowing scripture to come out in 3D. I'm Mm. not reading it in in 2D. When when Jesus is feeding the 5,000, where am I in that story? Am I... The little boy am i in the crowds where am i how am i experiencing that story mm. you know because then the story is not just about all the five thousand, but it's also about me and jesus meeting me and feeding me i i, I did a contemplation on on that story and, and and was the little boy with the loaves and fishes and was just so excited not at first because he took my lunch <laughs> like hey buddy you just took my lunch away you know But then slowly realizing what my lunch did, I was like, I'll never forget that. Like my food, my mother's food, that was boring lunch. That same old lunch, actually, Jesus did something transformative with something that I was holding in my hands. Blew me away. So now the story is not just about me. It's about what God is doing through me with, with what I have, ordinary lunch ordinary skills, ordinary abilities, just me, little old me, God can take that and do amazing things. Mm. So like I, my image of myself with God, there's two images that I work with. One is my favorite place to meet with God when I was early in spiritual direction was in my imagination. It was Jesus and I, and we're walking along the beach and, and I don't see him beyond his knees. You know, he's got like man's feet and hairy legs because he's Middle Eastern and he's got rolled up pants because he doesn't want to get his pants wet. But we're walking in the shallows of the water and it's just me and him. And the gift of that picture is that Jesus is listening. He's choosing to spend time with me. Then the other image I have is I'm a two-year-old and I'm hiding behind God and I'm peeking out at the world like a two-year-old often does with their parents
2: mm-hmm.
1: but you know like I'm very curious about this world out there but I'm not gonna let go of God's robes like I am just so not confident that I can navigate life alone
2: mm-hmm.
1: I need I need to be anchored with God so one hand is always uh, with God in, in like a two-year-old but daddy <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm,
1: I'm not that trusting of myself. Mm-hmm. but i'm very trusting of who god is and mm-hmm. with him he can walk ahead and and i will be anchored to him holding on to him i can go places because my daddy is with me so spiritually i am not confident in my habits in my intellect i just don't do it well without god
0: that's helpful and you know you talk about putting yourself in the story
1: mm-hmm.
0: I've actually been doing something, and maybe I can call this a spiritual discipline. I didn't ever uh, think of it this way, but uh can can watching TV be a spiritual discipline? Maybe. So I've been watching this series you're familiar with, I'm sure, called The Chosen. It's the story of Jesus, but it's done so much better than any other telling of the life of Christ I've ever watched. It, it for some reason, puts me in the story they've done such a good job of making everything so real that I can see being one of those disciples hearing that and really wrestling with it or having a sense of Jesus really caring and providing by doing this thing that I've read in scripture a hundred times and never really felt the force of. So I guess that's been a discipline I've been practicing recently.
1: Yes. There's actually a friend of mine. He does video divina. We're all familiar with Lectio Divina.
0: Not so much. I doubt most of our listeners are familiar with that. So say a bit about that.
1: Okay. So it's just reading scripture. Uh, Lectio Divina is reading scripture and encountering God, Jesus, Holy Spirit through through scripture um, and having those aha moments. But he does video Divina and he will gather a small group of people and they'll watch a movie um, and look in that movie for what could be interpreted as God moments. Hmm. Where does goodness and 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 shalom and and peace and restoration occur in those in those movies? And who are the people that bring those things to the forefront? And what is the worldview of of you know the the, the people there? So it it's like looking for those moments in contemporary society where we think, oh well, you know, this is a horrible movie or that's really cheesy or you know, whatever. And for a long time, you know, Harry Potter was really controversial, but, you know, even in Harry's world, goodness is the highest standard, truth, justice, goodness, you know, in that, in that fantasy world. So even if you're, you know, into Friends or you're into Seinfeld or you're into whatever, you know, Gilmore Girls, whatever it is that a certain generation was into, re-watching those and saying, where do I see images of God in this story? And where don't I? Hmm. Because those are formative movies that a whole generation has watched, and they've been informed by them. Sure. So if we want to speak to that generation or that group of people, we need to be able to watch what they're watching and point out to those moments where this is consistent with scripture. It looks mm-hmm. different, but it's consistent with scripture.
0: hmm yeah, several episodes ago, I interviewed Drew Trotter on how to watch a movie, and he brought up some of those themes as well. It was really insightful. I, I'd always thought about doing that with non-believers, and we uh, Global Scholars yeah. has a professor or several professors who do this evangelistically to have students together watch a movie and try to identify where the the biblical story of creation, fall, redemption show up in the movie, and then draw from that gospel conversations. But uh, it's uh, it, it's so interesting to think about doing that as a believer in our own growth and understanding God's goodness, truth, beauty, uh, what flourishing looks like, uh, all the things you're talking about.
1: Yeah. So if I want to go watch a movie, great. Am I going to take God with me? It'll be, be even better.
0: Yeah, that's really, really insightful. I appreciate that. One, one of the things I remember as I uh was starting this journey of discovery and spiritual formation and the disciplines was was and you've mentioned it already realizing how broad that category is that that it's more than prayer and bible study or even prayer and and reading the scriptures as you're saying which is one of the ways we can enter into a practice of formation but uh, one of the other books i read that was very helpful for me was Dallas Willard's book The Spirit of the Disciplines mm-hmm. And he has in uh, one of his chapters a twofold distinction that I really found helpful. I want to mention it and have you comment on it. But he divides disciplines into disciplines of abstinence or withdrawal, like solitude and silence, which you've mentioned, as well as disciplines of engagement where you're engaging people or, or ideas like study, worship, celebration, service, and so on and so forth. First of all, is that a helpful distinction in your mind? And if so, could you say a little more about how, uh, students, especially, and all of us, anybody listening, can lean into these disciplines more in order to grow in our relationship with Christ.
1: So, for example, the the small group Bible studies that happen on campus, a lot of students will go, well, I don't know anybody there. Well, of course you don't. Nobody knows anybody there until you start going we have to put things in our in our lives that are actually good for us, like drinking water and eating healthy food and getting enough sleep. And if we're willing to do those things...
0: And these are disciplines.
1: These are disciplines, right? So spiritually, I am going to discipline myself to be around other Christians because I value and need that on campus. I'm encountering so many new things. But I need to have the consistency of fellowship.
2: Mm.
1: I'm going to put small group Bible study in my calendar. And that's a discipline I'm going to engage in, whether I like it or not. I'm going to go. I'm going to meet people, especially if I'm an introverted person. I need people, whether (laughs) I acknowledge it or not. I need people. Another one would be I'm going to engage in prayer. I don't really like talking much. Maybe I feel that, you know, if God's going to do something, why do I need to keep asking him about it? Did he not hear me the first time? Why do I need to keep talking about God about the same thing all the time? What's the difference between petitioning and nagging God? And and understanding that after a while, the more I pray about it, I am the one who's being transformed
2: mm.
1: and I'm learning to sit in God's presence and I'm learning to Relax in God's presence. And these are fruits that come out of the discipline of I will pray and putting that into my schedule. The fruit of it will be revealed to me as I engage in the discipline. Mm. Or the discipline may be I will not do certain things. Like I will only have one cup of coffee and not five cups of coffee in the day because now I'm no longer relying on adequate sleep, adequate exercise, and a, and a well-rounded life, I'm relying on an artificial substance to give me the sense of being alert. Mm. So I will not do that. I will discipline my life with other things that are better for me than the five cups of coffee.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're touching on something that was a real aha for me, and that was that there are different disciplines that relate to different challenges or temptations or areas yeah. we really need to grow in, which means the disciplines we practice might change over time as there yeah. are new things we need to, to lean into. And I I remember uh, actually Dallas Willard saying this, he talked about a, a, a challenge or a area that he wanted to grow in more was humility. And so the discipline he was at that time practicing intentionally was uh, secrecy intentionally not telling people that he was a professor of philosophy at USC and he'd written a number of books and that he all this right so that uh, he wasn't implicitly bragging and uh, it, it it was hard for him he said as a hard discipline but it helped shape him in important ways in light of that area of struggle that was really helpful for me to understand that yeah you know, there's so many disciplines And one can't practice all of them all of the time, but there are different disciplines for different seasons and different purposes that are helpful. And again, it's the Lord's leading as to what one ought to be engaging in at a certain time or for a certain purpose, but, but that really helped. And you you were just touching on that with, with caffeine, right? Uh, Do I depend on this or is this just part of something I enjoy one cup of in the morning?
1: Exactly. So uh, touching on that discipline, I, a woman, visible minority, uh, short, which in North America is a kind of an issue. Pastor, okay, and I rarely tell in Christian circles that I'm a pastor because the minute people see you as a pastor in a Christian circle, you're you're a different category. So if I don't say that I'm a pastor and people come up to me, my husband's really involved in in Christian circles and they don't know anything about me. They I'm the nice little wife and how they see me is really different than when they find out that I'm a pastor. So there's, you know, multitude of levels. Like if I really wanted to out of a spirit of, hey, I'm an important person, too. Like these are my credentials. Stop treating me this way. Or saying, hey, we're all on a journey. What God needs this person to understand about me will happen in a conversation or it won't. Because it's not about me. Mm -hmm. It's hard sometimes to just be in the background and go, you know, I actually have something to say about that, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to allow God. Mm -hmm. Or I'm just going to let that go. Mm -hmm. It's not about me fixing the world. That's hard. So those are the things that you know. Each one of us has stories that where we've had to die to self, but that only comes when we are confident, you know, in that Jesus is looking at us and going, "I love you." <laughs> We're confident in that love and 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 that value, and we don't need that external affirmation anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's the fruit of all the disciplines, all the time that we spend with God that God will work in our hearts and our places of weakness our places of woundedness. And we never arrive. Right. So
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: just have to deal with that.
0: Yeah. So tell us a story or two of some students you've been able to see begin on this journey of being more intentional about practicing spiritual disciplines and, uh, and how that's transformed their lives. Give give some encouragement to listeners of what, what it might look like in real cases that you've seen
1: so one student i won't give his name um extreme extrovert as a university student very rough around the edges and a typical extrovert more you know foot and mouth than helpful just learning how to hear um, through the bible god for him growing in that sense of I am loved, I am valued, and yes, God has called me to be a blessing in this world. I saw him at least once a week. We spent a lot of time together. Um, and as this young man continued that journey with God with the, and asking the hard questions, not shying away from those hard questions, whatever they were for him, now, years later, is a director of a food bank and is bringing um, the fruit of his life to so many thousands of people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I don't think he would have had that yes and amen to that calling of being a food bank director if he hadn't encountered his own poverty in in his relationship with God.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, being poor in the presence of God fills you up and then you bring that shalom elsewhere. So that is one student. Another student is is an adult student learn to say yes to herself finding that what she is doing realizing it kind of like a hindsight thing kind of going oh now after having taken these courses at BGU and, and having done a self-assessment as a, as a course and being able to do that lifeline, where where were the dark moments of my life? Where were the highlights in my life? Where was God in all those moments? And, and being able to parse out, um, looking at calling, her own calling in life, being able to say, this is how God is shaping me. And and I can see now why I'm doing what I'm doing and that that I'm exactly where God has called me To be, because I see him as working throughout my life in those dark and and highlight moments. So, spiritual formation results in in not only us being able to say yes to how God has shaped us, but it also enables us to being able to say yes, continue God shaping me.
0: Mm.
1: You know, God will not take us to places and then leave us there.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, He will say, "Oh, you've got the skills. You go do this."
0: Yeah. And I like the you, you use the word journey again. I've used it a time or two also, and that's how I picture this. So let's talk practically. Students are listening to this podcast, and they uh, they say, "Yeah, I want to be on that journey." In a sense, they already are. They're maybe having a daily quiet time, more prayer time, and and they're saying, "I I want to engage more deeply in my spiritual formation." How can they start practicing other disciplines? How can they take the next step in the journey?
1: I would ask them to go and read those books and find the one that their heart is saying yes to. Which books? Like the Dallas Willard books. Ask around, ask your your local campus person, whether you're with Crew or InterVarsity, who's on your campus. Ask them to help you find books to read. Uh, Find a person on campus who is older than you. um, And again, you can do it through your campus ministry. um, Who who you may want to say i i i need somebody to listen to my journey. Hmm. Or if your campus has spiritual direction, get yourself a spiritual director.
0: How 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 would they even know that? Where where do you look?
1: Go to your chaplain. Your your university chaplain. There may be something there or they may be able to connect you, you know, connect the dots. There are Ignatian directors all over North America, so google that. But I, I would say take the initiative. Just start researching what's out there. And now with Zoom, you don't have to have a person in your in your city, right? We're, we've all become online people. Mm-hmm. And if if a student's good with with that, then they can find a director perhaps in another city if they're in a small small town. You know, mm-hmm. there may be somebody just even in their campus group that they kind of go. You know, that person's really really cool. Meet with them.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let me ask the skeptical question. It's a question I naturally ask, and yeah. I, I assume listeners are asking. Uh, boy, how do I <laughs> how do I make sure if I'm gonna find a spiritual director who's gonna give me direction, I'm not getting somebody who you know is 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 really wacky or even <laughs> even it's a cult or or don't really understand the gospel. Maybe it's somebody who comes out of a Catholic tradition, and it's all works based, and they're going to direct me in a wrong wrong way. Ha, help me make sure I don't get myself into a really bad place.
1: So, you want to find out where they were trained. What's the institution that certified their license? Um, because you, every spiritual director has to be trained. Um, ask them if they go for ongoing training. Where do they go for ongoing training? Um, ask them if they have a supervisor that they go to as a director for their own spiritual growth. Um, So they should have their own director. They should also have a supervisor. Nobody is an island. Some people do this for monetary gain. Some people don't. Some people, this is their job. This is what they do. Um, For other people, this is something they do on the side. So different directors have different ways of doing this. So that will give you an idea of, of once you know where they've been trained, then you can research that place and kind of find out they should have a statement of faith. They should, you know, there's an ethics thing that goes with it. Um, so that is really helpful. Don't ever go for somebody who is not accountable to anybody else. They're just kind of like doing this on the side and and they don't they're not attached to an institution or they were trained in a three-month certificate. Their training should at least be two year intensive or daily life, like I did in six years. They should have a accreditation diploma of some sort. All right. Um
0: and, and let me add, this may be implicit in what you're saying, but students may gather that information and still not quite know what to do with it. And so the suggestion would be to then take that information to somebody you trust, your pastor, your campus yeah. worker with crew or intervarsity navigators, whoever, and say, Hey, what do you make of this? Does this look legit? This, this, this place, uh, the, the training, the statement of faith, is this, is this okay? Or are there red flags?
1: I would take it to the university chaplain. That's where I would take it. Um, your pastor may or may not know how to evaluate that. If you are from a small city going to a big city, Your local home pastor may not be even familiar. You know, your pastor may just have a certificate in biblical studies and be a pastor in a small church in a small town. It may not have the ability to discern. You need to have somebody who can actually evaluate this.
0: But now I've worked on a lot of campuses in my years of ministry, and the campus chaplain was often of a liberal persuasion. And so I wouldn't really trust what he or she would say about this. So, you know, what if you're in a campus like that, but you're from a small town, maybe your pastor doesn't have much training in this, maybe go to your, your campus worker with yes. intervarsity or crew or navigators, yes. or, because they'll probably have a handle, right?
1: They would have a handle on it. I know intervarsity does. I know crew does, you know, navigators, like th- those people are reading cutting edge material they're all about spiritual formation um and may even have links and resources um for you um, okay and may even carve out the time for you as as a serious student
0: okay. Are there any disciplines you suggest students start with? And uh, again, this is probably counter to everything you've been saying because it's very personal. It might require a spiritual director to help understand where they are and what the next step is. But all that being said, have you found in your years of ministering to students that here's some disciplines students really need to be leaning into during the college years?
1: So for, for students who are uh, studying the Bible, Because you can study the Bible and not actually read the Bible, right? So if you're a theology student, uh, the discipline of of encountering scripture as a disciple is really important because Mm. you spend your whole day reading scripture in one format or the other for academic purposes. So for those students, I would suggest that they learn how to do a, a contemplation.
0: That was what you were referring to earlier when you put yourself in the story, right?
1: Put yourself in the story. There's a great book. The the I forget what his first name is, but his last name is Gallagher, and it's a book that's just says contemplation, and it's very easy to read. For other students who are reading all the time, I would encourage you to get get the Bible on audio. And so when you're walking between classes or you're just getting some peace and quiet in the in the library, get the Bible on audio because you're doing too much reading. Hmm. You need to find a different way of encountering. So podcasts are great. Um, And then I would say journal. Journal your emotional response to what you've heard in your audio, because there your questions will be. There you will remain authentic, Mm -hmm. right? So you're not doing an intellectual book review. You're saying, I just read this. This is what I feel when I, this is what I felt when I heard it.
0: And just that practice or discipline of writing it out,
1: has some,
0: some value in formation, right?
1: Right. And then for every student, I would say learn how to do an examen, which is simply reviewing your day with God before you go to sleep. Where did I sense God? Where did I not? And then asking God the question, why did I not sense you? Please reveal to me where you were. Or where was I that I didn't yeah. see you?
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: And that's it. Like simple, sweet. Let God yeah. do the towing. Just hang on. Let God do the towing on that rope.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to ask you a question that is related in in sort of the negative way. What if a student has been really leaning into this and practicing a number of new disciplines for some time and they don't sense any, any change in their reality at all. They are just like, this seems like a waste of time. What would you say to that student who's struggling after starting on this journey?
1: Yeah. That student needs help to see that God is already at work. Hmm. They're not seeing it. God's been at work, but they're not seeing it. They need to find somebody who's impartial, who will help them see where God has been speaking. Okay. Sometimes we're just blind. We're too close, you know? Yeah. The, yeah. the joke is, you know, it, it's a very sexist joke, but, you know, your husband will ask you 10 times, where's that thing in the fridge? And you open it and it's right there.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, like I'm just saying, sometimes we're that person. It's just right there. We can't see that. And right. it's always the one person in the family who can't find that thing. It's right.
0: It's uh, right. And it's usually me.
1: Just <laughs> full,
0: full disclosure. <laughs>
1: No, it's me too. (laughs) I know I put it there. Why is it not there? Yeah. yeah. So God is moving in that student's life. They're just not seeing it. They need somebody to hold up the mirror and go, hey,
2: Mm. you
1: know, and I think sometimes the examine helps. When we start asking ourselves, where did I sense God's presence with me? Or where was it good today? Like if the president's question is too intimidating, where was it good? Where did I experience joy?
0: Good, and um you know something else that I've really benefited from in all of this and it relates in terms of how God's at work is understanding why why the disciplines. I hate to use this word, but I'll use it. You know why the disciplines work, why they're effective in our formation, and that it really comes out in Dallas Willard's book, "The Spirit of the Disciplines." Because I, I read Foster in in college and and understood here's how you practice disciplines, but I didn't have all the underlying why why are these effective? And then Willard, I read probably uh two three years after college, as I still struggled with this, and it put the pieces together. And you know, he makes the point that we are a combination of a soul and a body. I mean, we're a, a soul that has a body, but our body is deeply part of, of our reality, of our existence, of our being in the world, right? And so the things we do in our body have this effect on our soul and, and vice versa. But the disciplines really press into, well, the things we are actually doing as incarnate beings, as embodied beings, affect the spiritual reality, which is the contrary of what, to be honest, I got in my early years as a Christian, this, this really gnostic notion of well the spiritual stuff is what counts and really what happens in the body is pretty irrelevant as long as I stay away from the bad stuff mm-hmm. and uh you know it really that's really one thing that helped me get my mind around what the spiritual disciplines are are designed to do which is train the body in certain ways to be in the world uh, so that my soul can flourish
1: so I will give you an analogy of a really <laughs> anyway however you want to call this it could be dumb but it could be really simplistic I eat my salad with chopsticks and it's a discipline and I've chosen to do that on purpose because salads are complex they have all kinds of things in them that if I just stab with a fork I'm just randomly picking up whatever comes but with a salad and the dressing on it I can pick up that quarter cherry tomato, I can choose what's going to be in my mouth. I will eat the whole salad, but I will slow down and savor it because I'm choosing the pieces that I'm picking. So disciplines are like that. They slow us down. They they help us savor what God is doing in our lives. They enable us to be intentional with our time and our space and our home um, sometimes I tell people when you're going to have your quiet time, light a candle <laughs> because our eyes wander. They're all over the place, right? Sure. But the minute we have a flame, whether it's in a fireplace or it's a candle, our eyes are just mesmerized by it. So our mind, fo- or our physical body focuses on something, our mind focuses on something, and we can allow God to speak. Cause we're focused on one thing as opposed to my whole messy office or whatever it is. Hmm. Right.
0: I certainly find that sitting around a fire. Yeah, absolutely. Sure.
1: And all of a sudden I'm not really listening to people around me. I'm just gazing into that fire and I'm, I'm just there. Mm-hmm. So chopsticks for me and salad.
0: Never thought of that.
1: Yeah. It's, it's amazing how food tastes different based on what you're, uh, how you're delivering it to your mouth. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. I do think about that when I run to the fast food restaurant and eat it in the car. Much different experience, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, Nita, this has been so, so helpful. Uh, as we draw to a close, is there anything else you want to make sure we we touch on that would be really important for students to understand or for any of us to understand? <laughs> this yeah. really applies to all of us, of course.
1: Your relationship with God is not a chore, it's not something you have to do. It's you're being invited by a God who loves you, who created you, who thinks you're absolutely the best thing in the whole world, and then chose to ensure that you have a relationship by dying and then conquering death. And so he resurrected. There's no one like you. You are that special that somebody died for you and the God of the universe redeemed you. So, whatever step you take towards saying yes to God, He will meet you with arms wide open, no matter where you are, what your story is. He doesn't care what you think about yourself. Your opinion of yourself does not matter in God's eyes. He sees you as this beautifully created person with incredible future ahead and is inviting you into a relationship. That's what you need to know.
0: That's a good word. Well, where can listeners go to learn more? We've mentioned a few books, as will all be in the show notes linked, but are there other books, websites, resources that you can point listeners to?
1: Anything by Gallagher, Foster, look for YouTube clips. There's so much out there on YouTube. I don't even mind making my email available if people want, have a simple question as to where do I go next? I can say, well, here, here are some books. Here's some resources. I'll listen to you.
0: Thanks so much. I'll put that in the show notes too. Appreciate that.
1: The gift given to me of having a spiritual director changed my life. So, you know, it's really important to find the right person and the right resources. I wanted God to give me a mentor. My entire Christian walk never happened, but he sent me people for a season and books for a reason. Mm. (laughs) So God provides.
0: Well, Anita, thanks for your time. Your sharing your wisdom and the things that you've learned on your journey. It's the things that not only students need to understand, but we all need to understand better. So I, I very much appreciate what you've been able to share.
1: Well, this was fun. So thank you for asking me.
0: That brings us to the end of this edition of the College Faith Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation at the intersection of Christian conviction and higher education. Be sure to check out today's show notes at collegefaith.net slash podcasts, where you can find more information and links to the resources we discussed. If you found this podcast helpful, please help spread the word by liking my College Faith Facebook page at facebook.com slash collegefaith and pass the show on to others who may enjoy hearing our conversation. Please do visit our sponsor, Global Scholars, to help equip Christian professors to be salt and light for Christ on their campuses. Until next time, this is Stan Wallace, encouraging you to love the Lord your God with both heart and mind during the university years and beyond.